Please leave me a rating and a review on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever. Thank you. It was Christmas Eve, and I went to Tiffany Flynn Forsman's house for an interview. How's it going, Hello. Um, here to interview Tiffany. Yes. Uh, she's not here. God, that sucks. <laughs> you, did you set it up with her and everything? Yeah. Let me call her. You, you can come in. Dog's upstairs. She didn't forget. She was a block away at Trung Nam Bakery buying some croissants, and they were delicious. Thank you, Tiffany. This interview was nice because Tiffany Flynn Forslin represents so much of America. She's worked in finance. She's mixed race. She's worked in schools. She's ran for office. She's on a bunch of boards. She's been homeless. She's had kids. She was married to a rich dude. She's been in foster care. She's been abused. She's, 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 she's. It's been three, four months since I did this interview. This introduction went on to a, bit, a rambly philosophical point. Not very good. Anyway, here's the interview. Tiffany was great. You'll learn a lot about an extraordinary person and extraordinary circumstances, extraordinary stuff. And I now have a patience to where as things arise, it's so nice, I'm ready. Yeah. So I'm not seeking, pushing anymore or trying to control anything. I'm ready for when those things come and that's such a good feeling. It's, it's, and a lot of people don't understand it, um, but I'm, I'm good where I'm at. Here's my introduction. <laughs> Tiffany Flynn Forslin has done and is doing a lot of things. Here are some groups she's involved with. NAACP Education and Child Protection Committee, Kids at Risk Action, Invisible Children, and Child Works Care Fellowship. She ran for city council for Ward 6 in Minneapolis. She is a teacher, spent 14 years in finance, was the plaintiff in Forslin v. Minnesota to appeal the public school's last-in-first-out hiring and firing policy. She has raised three kids, sits on or has sat on even more boards, um, such as ERA Minnesota and Gender Justice. She has been homeless. As a kid, she had been in foster care. She had has advocated for the rights that she herself has been denied and fought against the abuses that she has suffered. Tiffany Flynn Forslin, is she a workaholic or just a hero? <laughs> Tiffany, will your heart explode if you sit still for 10 minutes? No. So, so okay, so I did learn that about myself. I, I do always have to be going and doing, and I've evolved because I evolved from being very self-centered as a child and I was more about the party um, than being activated I guess you could say then um, then it was all about my children then as I as they're as I'm learning 
Like I used to work church, school, that scope, but then I'd learn the bigger pieces. And and mm-hmm. that would happen as they would affect me. So then that's when I realized um, about domestic abuse that came into play. Well, let's let's take a look at where do you think um, this hyper-awareness, this focus comes from? Because you said self-centered, and then you said focusing on your kids. It feels like you're always trying to identify problems to fix. Um, I guess fixing that kind of, like, okay, so I had a third-grade teacher um, who never smiled. Mm. I And um, my mom had gotten a terrarium, which I didn't know what a terrarium was, and um, it made her really happy. Um and so for some reason it connected that maybe this third grade teacher needed a terrarium. So I had um, filled out a paper, all the kids in my class, had them all pitch in money <laughs> and bought her a terrarium. And she did smile. Yeah, and um, how did you, how did your mom understand like race and raising a kid that's both white and black? Um, she, um, you know, you could do that upstairs. Are you serious? Um, she did not cover it. Um, okay, so she was raised white Irish, um, Catholic, and um, actually wrote off a lot of her family when I was coming. Go tell daddy. Yeah. Go tell daddy. And it's interesting because she, even though she, like she has this empathy and this heartfelt for Native American plight and um, says that she's not racist, but there's still things that she grew up with that, and and I think, well, now she's kind of getting older, so some stuff's kind of reverting back just Uh from childhood because she'll say stuff to me and I'm just like, oh. The first pit that I had in my stomach that that was actually racist, but I didn't I didn't have a thing to call it. Um, I was one of the smarter kids in class, and we had a smart row, and it's all white girls and me. And the teacher, we're going to put on this play, which I have no idea why we are just putting on this play, but we're putting on <laughs> Little Women. And then my friends say, "Oh, you can be the maid." And that was my first um, um, pit of this isn't right. Uh huh. And I think I did it, but actually that's kind of blanked out. Um, but that's the first pit. And, and but that stuff I ignored and just pers- moved on. Um, my friend who was white got a job at Dairy Queen, and uh, the owner hired all of her friends except me. So that put a divide, and and our friendship kind of changed after that. A lot of your, um, a lot of your work has to do with. Uh, protecting kids. Yes. Um, and I assume part of that comes from 
when you were, did you say just four years old? Yeah. And and you were abused? Were you yeah. molested? What was it? I mean, we yeah. don't have to go into details, but yeah. do you think that drives you? Um, probably because there's something, maybe the innocence being taken because, um, well, one, my mom was very protective. So her and my aunt, they have a party and they're young. My mom had me at 17 and her sister was seven years younger than her, but seven years older than me. And so I don't even know how they're, but they have this party and they had a kid room and they had it locked off, but this man snuck in the room. And, um, and I think, and I think my mom has some certain concepts that she blocks it out because I told her who it was and, and to my mom, anything that like my mom is very defensive and, and for anything that dealt with me and my brother, she usually is like really raw loud. But when mm-hmm. it came to this piece, she did, she wasn't just like it couldn't happen, but she didn't find out till I was 10 and we had moved. Um, and did part was that partly because the man threatened you? That yeah, you he threatened hurt? me. He threatened me not to tell, and in in I didn't. And and actually, the next day, because I can remember this piece vividly, I sat on his lap in the car, dropping him off. He lived way out in the country somewhere in some yellow house, and I remember that. Mm-hmm. And but I had. Um, Suppressed it to some degree, but my mom knew. She knew I wasn't the same. Like she didn't know what it was, but she knew I wasn't the same. And at ten, we moved to Lacrosse. She had read something in a magazine that this is a hidden thing that kids don't tell. Mm-hmm. And so she came to ask me up in my room. I was I remember from the window, and it's I'm, I'm nine or ten, and um, she just. I can't remember her question, but it hit me to the core, and I just began sobbing. I needed the release, mm-hmm. and and she's like, "What? What?" and and I was crying, 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 and um, I kind of changed. It was, I think, it was an involvement that I didn't really know about because and then she asked me if I wanted counseling. I said, no, I think that was good enough. Like I felt like, <laughs> it, like it came up and it was gone. And then I started doing more things. I started, um, lacrosse has these beautiful bluffs. I would take a backpack, a blanket, a clock, hot chocolate thermos and peanut butter and jelly and I go hiking. Um, that's the sound of your grandkids. How do you like having grandkids? Oh, I like it. I, li- I wasn't happy at first. Um, um, cause I had just gotten my freedom cause my kids 23, 21 and 19. So, but I didn't handle that freedom very well. So I guess it's, it's welcoming. It's, it's good. Yeah. Yeah. I had a little empty nest period. <laughs> 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 yeah. And so I'm like, uh, we had issues with the mom at first, and I knew, I knew, with the babies being a NICU, mm. that, like, I tried to schedule a plan where I would go when the mom wasn't there, so somebody would always be there with them, um, be in that sterile environment, and she didn't understand that concept, and she signed a paper that only her, only her and my son could go in there, and I couldn't, uh. and but I was like, okay, 
No problem. You know? I mean, that's letting go. If, if they're in the NICU um, and, and you're able to, <laughs> you're able to just like, all right, chill out. That's that's commendable. Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, okay, fine. Because I, because I, because I, because of that longer scope, I was able to know, you know, this is temporary. And now, mm-hmm. you know, mom wasn't making good choices, and my son's now a single dad of the twins. Mm-hmm. So, so I I made the right moves. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm glad that they're doing all right. Um, my brother and one of my nephews both were early. My brother was really early. Um, but it's one of those things where if you go back a hundred years, you know, they right. wouldn't be alive. Right, right. So, but what did you do with the, the empty nest that you slightly alluded to? What oh, were some of the bad <laughs> things? Well, it kind of, kind of had a cycle. Like, um, so the kids becoming teenagers, they're all two years apart. Um, they didn't need me as much. So I would be there as much as I could be, but then I had a lot of freedom. Plus, I started being very community. Plus, I ran for office. So I was just, um, I kind of gained an independence, and I was kind of out more. Um, And then I just kind of started going out more. And um, and then I was on unemployment, and technically... Normally, like I would have substitute taught until I found a job, and mm-hmm. I didn't. So I had a lot of free time. So because I was really you wanted to like focus on community organizing, or yeah, because I was um, going to meetings, um, networking, um, campaigning, um, that kind of thing. And so, um, and s- so in the in the midst of that, I kind I guess I kind of went to like. Um, I was letting things go. Like I wasn't taking care of things immediately, mm-hmm. kind of. And I knew I wasn't. I was, um, I don't know, it was a weird phase. And um, so I didn't have to go home to cook dinner. Um, I didn't have to um, worry about what anybody needed for school. Um, I didn't, um, like cooking for one is no fun. Yeah. Um, so I just like I really let responsibility go, and then I even let it go further, basically. And just um, like putting off bills and just like saying, you know, I've done all that my whole life. I'm just gonna see what happens if I'm not as right. It was kind of like being young. It was kind of like midlife crisis, maybe. I was just it just, and I didn't know how to like. I saw it wasn't going well, but I didn't know how to fix it. Okay, so at at this moment in your life, um, you're running for city council. Um, You are in the, you've been fighting an eviction, uh, an eviction that's going through, so you're moving. And I'm unemployed. You're unemployed, and you've had, have you already had both um, DUIs? Uh, No, no, that they come. Oh, those are after? They're as a result of the eviction. Because I don't have a residence. Yeah. So I'm out and about in places that I'm not even familiar with. I see. And how old are the twins at this point? Well, they're, they were born April Fool's Day, 2016. So they're probably like a year. So your grandkids mm-hmm. are less than a year out of the neonatal intensive care unit. Right. <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, how can you kick these babies out? That's so, so much. Uh huh. I mean, how can you kick those babies out? Something like that would make you want to run for city council. So, um, so to look, so granted, I was, you know, homeless for that year, which was really hard. Were you just staying with friends or? I just stayed anywhere. Like at one point, I literally, especially while I was campaigning, would stay wherever I had a function, like in the location where I knew I had to be the next day. Because for a while, I, I, I didn't have a car either because they take it. Uh, and it was a huge poverty issue because I didn't have the money to pay all this stuff. Like I had no idea any of this stuff existed around a DUI and the criminal justice system. Yeah. Um, when well, I, oh. Yeah. Let, I mean, let's just think of all of the things that funneled you into getting pulled over, right. not having your license renewed. Um, having to be hanging out in your car all the time because you got evicted. Yeah. Like when they say poverty is a crime. Oh, the hoops. Because even, I can't even explain as I tried not to drive, but yet, you know, I have meetings and things that I go. I try to keep my life the same. Every time I would like venture out, I would get a driving after revocation, trying to move. I didn't renew my license because it was $700. I could never have, without housing, I could never have a car in housing, in a job, like having all those pieces and trying to raise healthy kids. Yeah. It's super hard so having, by yourself. I don't want to paint a picture that makes Tiffany look like some faultless victim. She did wrong when she drove drunk, but she got caught. And when she got caught, the system made it harder for her to move on and easier for her to get caught again. I have driven drunk so many times. The only reason why I didn't hurt anyone, including myself, was I just didn't drive that much because I, I don't own a car. And when I did drive, it would be in a nice car, like my parents. I'd be driving in the suburbs. And when I drove, I happened to be a white man. I once was turning left, but I wasn't in the turning lane. The cop pulled up to the stoplight, you know, where I was, and... He rolled down his window and he yelled at me, Hey, you're in the wrong lane. I said, thanks. And then the green arrow turned on. And I went on my drunken, dangerous way. <laughs> Completely immune <laughs> to what should have happened. You see the critique I'm making. A critique that we all know, but sometimes we must say things over and over again. Because easy lessons are hard to learn. Who said that? Okay, here is Tiffany's eulogy. Well, I would think, well, for a eulogy is going to come from my family, right? Like they write it? Yeah. I think generally. I mean, like I would never say, "Here's what I want you to say." <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know someone whose grandma did that. Oh and my she God. lied in it. <laughs> yeah, see, yes, that's why. Yeah, no, see, and I wouldn't, because I would, I would want it to be heartfelt on what people really think. 